Welcome to day 79 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today complete the book of Judges with chapters 19 through 21, and we're adding Psalm 33. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. A few years ago, during a Christmas break, all the kids were home, and they wanted to go to a movie. I'd read a glowing review of a new movie that was sad, but the critic I read expected it to win several awards. It was a movie called Manchester by the Sea. So I talked the whole family into going to the film with me. But the movie was not just sad, it was tragically sad. The story is essentially about a man who makes this terrible mistake that ends up killing his children, ruining his marriage, and despite trying to find some forgiveness for himself and reconcile to his hometown, he simply can't do it. There's too much hurt to overcome. And the film ends without a clear resolution. The credits just start rolling without giving the viewer any kind of resolved ending. I've never heard the end of it from my family. In fact, I've been permanently banned from choosing the family movie, especially during the holidays. But in my opinion, the book of Judges leaves the reader with that same sense of unresolved ickiness. The chapters we're reading today begin and end with the same statement. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Now the next books, Ruth and Samuel, will set the stage for and give Israel a king, but the narrator of Judges wants to leave us with a complete sense of despair about how broken and ugly things have gotten for Israel. One can imagine that the narrator believes a king will give Israel at least two things. First, it will give them a leader who will make sure that the Torah is known and kept by the people, and second, that a king will work and protect the vulnerable. In these final chapters, it's clear that the people had moved far from Torah faithfulness, and they had become a people who frequently misused the weak and marginalized. The point of these stories is that Israel has become just as bad, if not in some cases worse, than the nations to whom they were supposed to be a light. Chapter 19 tells the horrific story of an unnamed Levite and his unnamed concubine or secondary wife. Initially, she leaves him to go back to her home. This may be an act of unfaithfulness on her part, or, given his actions later in the story, this may be an act of bravery and dignity, like some of the other women who make appearances in the book of Judges. After retrieving her, they end up as vulnerable guests in the Israelite or Benjaminite city of Gibeah. As you read, you may have noticed the story has many parallels to the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. At the heart of this narrative is the issue of whether Israel will practice the hospitality to strangers commanded in the Torah. The old man in the story, like Lot in the story of Sodom, extends care or hospitality to these strangers. However, like the men of Sodom, not only do the men of Gibeah not practice hospitality, but they also embody the very same evil and violence for which God destroyed Sodom. Pay attention to that connection. The people of Israel have become a reflection of the wickedness that earlier God judged in the Torah. The actions of the Levite cutting up his secondary wife into pieces and sending them to the various tribes of Israel is gross and seems extreme to say the least. However, I think in our own day about the impact of acts of violence, especially those acts of violence that we see when they're caught on video, I lived in Los Angeles when the horrible videotape of the beating of Rodney King made the air, and it led to the riots that happened later in the city. Or I felt compelled to attend a vigil and human rights protests after watching the killing of George Floyd. 
When we see videos of things like school shootings or the horrors of war, it makes us want to do something. There's something that rightly shocks us and wants us to say, that should not happen here. But that's exactly the point of what the Levite did. He didn't have video of the brutality of the people of Gibeah to go viral on social media. Now, that doesn't excuse the Levite's actions, but it does give it some context. It's kind of the only method he has to shock the tribes into action. The tribes go to war with Gibeah, and the Gibeonites' home tribe of Benjamin sides with them. At first, the tribe of Benjamin defends themselves well. Remember back in chapter 3, the word Benjamin means son of the right hand. So notice, like Ahud, there are more of these sons of the right hand who've learned to use their left hand well, and they inflict great losses on the other tribes. Eventually, using a plan that has many echoes to the story of the defeat of Ai in Joshua chapter 7 and 8, the Israelites kill all but 600 of the warriors of Benjamin. The last chapter, chapter 21, ends with messy stories of how the Israelites are going to find wives for the remaining 600 men of Benjamin so that the tribe doesn't disappear. They are horrific stories, not just to modern readers, but to ancient readers also. I find it interesting that the evil of Israel is often associated with the ways in which they treat women. I think these narratives are meant to be read ironically. The Israelites were in a dilemma of their own making, although they shifted the blame to God, who, notice, is present and gives some advice, but God is not active in the actions or battles of Israel. Like Jephthah, the people tried to find loopholes by which they could circumvent their hasty vows. The results were horrific, and so the story ends, restating that there was no king in Israel in those days, so everyone did whatever was right in their own eyes. The book of Judges tells the continuing spiral and social decline of Israel from the time of the deaths of Joshua and the elders of the generation that began the conquest of the land to that of the rise of the kingship in the days of Samuel. When the people worshipped other gods, God brought the curses of the covenant upon them in the form of oppression from other peoples. But when the people cried out to God, he graciously sent a judge to save them. That cycle repeated itself, and the people drifted slowly into deeper and deeper spiritual and social decay. These last stories, again, are meant to shock us as readers. There are no heroes in the story, and there are no judges raised up by God to save the day. For the most part, God has receded to the background of the narrative. Perhaps reading Judges is a bit like attending a Good Friday service. We must go confront sin in all of its darkness and violence before we can fully appreciate and live into God's redemptive activity on Easter Sunday. Thankfully, to the seeds of God's salvation, we will turn tomorrow as we begin the book of Ruth. So read these texts carefully, looking for things you've never seen before, journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions, and confront the dark heart of humankind. But remember, God will not let darkness have the final word. As our psalm for today, Psalm 33 declares, God loves righteousness and justice. The Lord's faithful love fills the whole earth. Tomorrow, we start our brief journey through the book of Ruth with chapters one and two. I'll talk to you tomorrow.